Welcome to the Self-Care Doc Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. I'm Dr. Joshua Brown, your host, and we've got Chris and Katie with us today. So today we'll be talking about the topic of self-care, something that we all, throughout, especially throughout our society, seem to struggle with. Um, when I bring up the concept of self-care, what does that mean to you guys? To me, Katie, it just means... Thanks, thanks for identifying <laughs> yes. that you're Katie. I am Katie, everyone. <laughs> and that's just what the things that I do just for me and because they make me a happier, healthier person. That's going to come back. We're going to hit that point right there that they make me that. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a little note here for us. Make me... And throughout today's episode, one of the things I want to do is just take some notes so that we can kind of delve into how we talk to ourselves, because that is such an important part of what self-care is, that negative self-talk as well as that positive self-talk, just the influence that can have on our entire world. And Chris, what would you say about the topic of self-care? I think that self-care is a very umbrella term. Oh, what a safe answer. Katie, can you believe he's starting this way already? Because you can break it down. And that's important to understand. You have self-care in different aspects of your life. And I know we're going to get into boundaries shortly, and that's really an important part. You have personal boundaries and professional boundaries and social boundaries. These are all under that umbrella of self-care. And I think that's important to establish that it's not one thing and it's not one set of things that works for every person. Yeah. It's funny. The whole idea of self-care, the thing that in our society we talk so much about and we do so ineffectively uh, or we're so ineffective with how we take care of ourselves. Uh, several months ago, uh, me and a couple of buddies, we sat around and we're all different professionals in whatever field that we're in. And we gave ourselves the challenge of whoever can take time and find time for self-care over the next week, let the others know what you did. And we get to the last day of the week, and I think it was a Sunday night actually, and nobody had sent anything to each other to say, hey, this is what I did to kind of encourage each other. And finally, at the end of the night, I just sent a picture and it was my toes sticking out of bubble out of a bubble bath with some Michael Buble playing in the background and a book that I was reading and a candle. And I said, ha ha, I win. <laughs> and they just looked at me or they just sent me messages with like the shaking, the shaking uh, emoji or the head, the uh, face palm or whatever it's called. And so these things that we do, we've got to understand that. When I invest in me, I'm actually investing in all of us. How is that investing in you? I mean, I get what you mean, but I think that's the point oh, you Chris, should elaborate then, on. What do I mean then, Christopher? What we were talking about earlier, Joshua. <laughs> well, so Christopher, as we started off today, just to kind of talk over notes and things, gave us this very nice definition. So Christopher, why don't you, join, why don't you uh, lead with that? I think that definition is a little scripted, but oh, it That's is the good. point. We want to beat you up right here. Okay, cool. I'm down for that. Uh, Self-care refers to the intentional actions and practices individuals engage in in, for the care of their physical, mental, and emotional well-being. Involves activities and behaviors that promote overall health, help manage stress. Self-care is a vital aspect of maintaining balanced and fulfilling life. Very nice, Christopher. Oh, my God. I like that sound effect. All of that off the top of his head, folks. Jeez. Yeah, no, not at all. That was I wrote impressive. That like three hours ago with a whole bunch of other research. Did you now? That's yeah. that's what grad school does for you. You it just does, memorize yeah. all these useless things. Yeah. I don't memorize them. That's why I have notes. That's right. That's actually, My brain isn't that big. There's a great, great definition. But Katie, how did you hear that? Like, how do you, how would you interpret what he just said? 
Um, <laughs> See, episode zero. I just want to make clear that I did not take any notes in preparing for this today. So everything I say, it's organic. And, so. and from episode one, we've learned that Katie is the one that got the most feedback of how awesome she did. So yes, that's true. Uh, we're very excited to have her not I don't take know notes. Who is listening to this? Well, podcast. It, it was actually your mom. She it called us each mom. a bunch of times. So, <laughs> yeah. Make sure that check. Thanks, yourself. mom. That's yes, right. <laughs> so, so then, what is what is your definition of self care? Uh, beyond the what you do for yourself. Well, what I kind of talked about, but I guess too that, and I know you wanted to touch on this too, is setting boundaries with others around us um and you talked about how boundaries are designed to kind of protect our emotional well-being they can be so yeah for sure well it, it, you know i'm reminded of a story as you said that of and i'll try to try to do it from memory here of a girl who's graduating from school and her father who was not a man of a lot of means decided he wanted to give her a present, give her a, a, for graduating, just to kind of celebrate her. And at her graduation uh, afterwards, he said to her, hey, I'm so proud of you. You know, you've, you've done such an amazing job and I want to give you this gift. And he gave her the keys to the car that he had. And he said, you know, I wish I had more to give you, but this is the best I've got. And it was run down and it was old. And, you know, the daughter being a, just a great daughter said, you know, so very heartfelt, just thank you. I, Dad, I know you don't have to do this, but I really appreciate it. But the father said, well, there is one slight catch, as there is always, right? Especially as a dad. I mean, I'm right there. The catch was, he said, I want you to take it to three different locations, and I want you just to have it appraised to find out what it's actually worth. So uh, what she did first, she went to this uh, local uh, pawn shop and just said, hey, how much would you give me for this car? And they told her a price and everything. And she came back to her dad and said, Dad, they told me that for scrap metal, they might give me like $100. And he kind of shook his head, and he was kind of hoping for a little bit more. And so he said, well, maybe take it down to the car dealership, see what they would offer you. And so she does. And she comes back, and head hung low again, strike two, because she says, Dad, they said because it's got a clear title and because it runs, they would give me $1,000. And he said, you know... That's really not what I was hoping to hear again, but one last thought, one last thing. I want you to take it down to Jimmy, my old buddy, him and some guys hang out down there at the shop that he's got over there, and they kind of tinker with cars. Maybe they have some ideas. So she goes down there and spends a little bit of time and actually takes a little bit extra time. And when she comes back, she's just glowing. And she says, Dad, why didn't you tell me? And he says, what? What do you mean? She says, I went down there to the car shop that you told me to take them to, to take the car to, and they told me there was three different guys there that each offered me $100,000 for that vehicle. And he kind of smiled at her and he put his arm around her and he said, what's the lesson of this story? What's the moral of this story? And in essence, the message is we have to know our own worth. We have to know our own value. But we also, so many times we let other people value us. You know, if you've got a beautiful, exotic car, you're not going to take it to the, the, the most crime-ridden area of your town and leave the keys in the, in the ignition and just hope for the, the goodness in humanity. You're going to take care of what's yours. And there's no possession that's more valuable than us as, as family members, as leaders in our family, as partners, as parents, as just who we are. So the encouragement there is if we take care of ourselves, we have so much more for others. And when we know our worth, we have the courage to leave the table if respect is no longer being served. So we need to like treat ourselves like we love ourselves. 
Like well, how we would treat our kids almost in a well, way. Like, <laughs> depends on what age they're at, I think. Well, you yeah. know, like we'd want to, you know, look at yourself as someone that deserves to be taken care of and like that you're responsible to help yourself yeah. and give yourself what you need. Yeah. Well, and I think that, what a great point right there. When we actually know how to love ourselves, only then can we actually show others how to love us or care for us. In other words, so many times people want to show us care and compassion, but we haven't shown them how to do that. Um, oftentimes, uh, people in therapy and in, in, uh, the clinical clinical realm will cite uh, the five love languages. And uh, have you guys been familiar with that yeah. in the past? Kind of the five mm-hmm. love languages. Uh, Dr. Gary Chapman uh, talks about how we feel most loved is how we show love to other people. And I never get this right off the top of my head, so help me out if I miss something. I think it's gifts of service, uh, or excuse me, gifts, acts of service, physical touch, words of affirmation, and... Uh, quality time. Quality time, very nice. Yes. Yeah. When you look at that concept, what would you say are kind of your love languages? How do you feel most loved? Well, I'm words of affirmation. I need people to tell me that they like me. Oh, really? Why is that, Katie? Mom, thanks. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. Have you always been that way? No, I think think words of affirmation and quality time are both big for me. Like a big part of my self-care is making time to see my friends. Like that really fills me up and like just... If I have a day where I've gone and met up with some of my friends, then afterwards I'm just like kind of glowing. Like I, it puts me in a great mood. Hmm. So I know that's something that I need. That's what being here with you guys does for me. Aww. <laughs> we I, need a, I actually we, agree. Like We need an awe button on here, we I think. We do need an awe so. button. <laughs> no, but I actually agree that being here is very cathartic and hmm. it's wonderful to be able to have a deep conversation with people I enjoy time with. Hmm. Very nice. I thought you were going to say that. Uh, that's how Katie feels her self self care is through that. So well, it's okay. nice for you to validate her feelings there. Oh yeah, yeah. Words through of validation. This? Good job, <laughs> Katie. Well done on knowing your own values there and what your self care is. Thank you, Christopher. What about you? For me, it is nice words of affirmation. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you how amazing and rare it is to hear that somebody is proud of me. And every time I hear it, it just lights me up. It truly does. Um, so, yeah, I'd have to agree with it. words of affirmation. Not necessarily that people like me, but that I do have respect is is definitely fulfilling for me. Kind I don't need that. that. Yeah, I don't I, I don't need them to like me. But it's nice when they do. Yeah. You know, it brings up both a great point that you both are making when we get that affirmation. Uh, is it affirmation that we're getting because of something we've done or affirmation that we get just for the personality or the character of what we're bringing forth? That's a good, that's a good point. All right. There's my one point for the day guys. So let's go forward with that. You need that cheer button right there for you. That's right. Um, I actually had a situation yesterday that it was more of a acts of service and it was self-fulfilling. I was on my way to a doctor's appointment and I was running late cussing at traffic and the whole nine yards. And then my gas gauge that I knew I needed to get gas for, but it went from when I left my house to you know 30 miles an hour and then suddenly jumped to 15 miles and then four miles. And I'm like, oh, Craig, now I'm going to be even more late because I have to stop for gas because I don't know if I'm going to make it. So I stopped for gas at a random gas station. And the guy in front of me in line is counting change out to put five bucks in his tank. And I gave him an extra $20 because he's got this old 
Triton engine F-150, and he's not going to get but a mile on $5 <laughs> worth sure. of gas. For sure. That's just starting it, I think. And I, you know, pretty much, I've mm. had two of those motors over the years that are not fuel efficient. Mm. But that act of service lit me up. Mm. And it was, had somebody had done an act of kindness for me a few days ago. So it was a pay it forward situation. But to put myself in that random situation, if I hadn't been running out of gas and stopped at that random station, I wouldn't have been in the situation. And even though I was pissed off at the world and it was all my fault because I was running late, I had that moment of wonderful service to somebody else. It's amazing how when we have those moments that we don't anticipate, but it kind of fills our cup, as, as the phrasing was said a little bit ago, how that actually sustains us so much longer than something that's very purposeful and intentional. Yeah. Now, I've heard it said that uh, a coincidence are those times when God wants to remain anonymous. And I've always loved that concept because when you actually find the beauty, you actually take a moment to look at the beauty, you'll actually find it a lot more often. Um, something that came up this last week was, uh, I was doing some research, of course, and it was the idea of how negative thoughts really kind of happen. And if I say to you, what's it like driving in rush hour traffic uh, right before a weekend? What would you guys say? What emotion does that evoke for you? Oh, I never go anywhere in rush hour. <laughs> Why is that? Doesn't, doesn't spark joy. <laughs> <laughs> Christopher, probably the same sentiment, right? Unfortunately, I can't avoid it at some points, but yeah, I definitely try to plan my trips around avoiding heavy traffic hours because I can't stand heavy traffic. Yeah. Well, and the fascinating thing about that from a psychological perspective is I asked a very neutral question. I, there was no negativity or, or positively kind of even indicated there. And yet when our minds go to a negative place, negativity kind of begets negativity. And so if I think of a negative thought like, okay, neg uh, uh, rush hour traffic, and then I go negative, now I'm looking for more evidence that's going to support that negative kind of construct. And so for that negative construct, and now I have five or six different pieces of evidence, it kind of snowballs and it turns into this bigger kind of cancerous kind of thing. And so if we have those negative thoughts, now that's especially damaging because we start to see every realm in everything from that same perspective or that purview. So I have this negative thought about driving and next time, next time I'm in traffic and I'm driving, I'm going to bring up all those memories again and I'm going to take myself even deeper and deeper into that darkness. And then I go to work and it's like, oh, now I got to go do this. Now I can't find parking. Now I've got to deal with my boss. Or I've got to deal with all of these different things. And we just, it just keeps snowballing. Now, even if we respond in a neutral way, we respond with that neutrality. Neutrality is not positive or negative, but if we don't progress, then it's going to become negativity eventually because everything else is going to kind of pass us, pass us by. So a lot of people, they try to avoid the positive and avoid the negative. I've heard people say, if I, if I think only the worst, then only good things can happen. And what a completely crap, pessimistic perspective of life. Now, if we actually take the time to stop and rather than react to a negative situation, but we actually look for a positive opportunity, it's amazing how that is kind of cup filling kind of moments. But here's the, here's the kind of the, the rub to it. Positive thinking actually progresses us, helps us to look for more positivity. It actually counters neutrality and it counters negativity, kind of. And here's, here's where it gets a little wiry is for a negative construct or negative thought process, a negative uh, experience, it's not a one-for-one -one transaction. We need about three to five different positive moments to counter every one negative. 
So that same driving situation where there's this negative construct with four or five different negative kind of memories that we've evoked, it's now going to take us 30 to 35 positives to counter just that. So the key there is if we have a negative thought, being able to identify and recognize it and then look for the positive. So somebody might bring up the construct of driving in rush hour traffic. I can have that initial kind of reaction and then I can engage my brain and say, well, now wait a minute. There was this time this last week, and this is what happened for me. I was driving along, and this guy sitting next to me at the, the stoplight was kind of bebopping to his music. And I kind of look over at him, and he was listening to the same station I was listening to. I was kind of like, well, this is kind of fun. I kind of want to have fun with this. You tell me you were 